And let's turn to Judges, chapter number 15 tonight. Judges 15, we're going to wrap up chapter 15, and most of the message is going to be in chapter number 16. When we last saw Samson, he had been bound by the men of Judah and then delivered to the Philistines by his own brethren. <laughs> in uh, chapter 15, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he broke those bands that he was tied with. Then he took a jawbone of an ass and killed 1,000 Philistines. Quite a feat. In Judges 15, verse number 18, we see that he worked up quite a thirst doing that. We're gonna, that's where we're going to pick up at verse number 18. It says, And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. Um, this is one of only two recorded prayers by Samson. Um, we've had a lot to say about Samson's lack of spirituality, but here he's not only he not only prays, but actually acknowledges that the Lord gave him this great deliverance, and the Lord gave him that uh, victory that he just experienced. Now look at verse number nineteen. So, but God clave and hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout, and when he had drunk. The his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof in Hakori, which means uh, the will of him that called or cried. Um, and so he, he, he called, changed the name of that place. That's in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. So we see... Um, and that the Lord in, in, uh, miraculously answered his prayer there in verse number 19 and quenched his thirst. And then we see in verse 20 that a span of 20 years, we're not told anything other than that Samson judged or avenged Israel in the days of the Philistines. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any details of those years. And there's 20 years there, but we know that God used him against the Philistines who were Israel's oppressors during Samson's day. And today we want to take our text from chapter 16 and verses 1 through 3, and we're going to see not much has really ch changed with Samson with his, uh, uh, from the spiritual aspect of this. Um, Look at uh, verse, let's read, go ahead and read verses 1 through 3. It says, chapter 16, verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in, and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the nights, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight, and rose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. 
So we see here in our text that once again, there's a contrast between two aspects of Samson's character. Nothing much seems to have changed in the 20 years of time. And we know that Samson was strong physically. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The amount of physical strength that was required to do what Samson did that we just read about in these verses is nothing short of supernatural. Uh, Gaza was a large Philistine city, and that meant that this city gate would have been a pretty large gate. Also, the distance that he carried them made an already remarkable feat even more remarkable because Hebron was a great distance from Gaza. Uh, So you're talking about uh, he pulled them up out of the ground, he carried them, and he carried them quite a way. So Samson was strong physically, but Samson was weak spiritually. We see him still playing around with sin and being controlled by the lust of his flesh. Samson, perhaps more than any other character in the entire Bible, had first-hand knowledge of what the power of God can do in a person's life physically. No no doubt that God is the one that empowered him physically for the the great uh, feats that he did. However, he repeatedly wasted God's power in his life as he involved himself in some foolish and really, we might say, selfish behavior. Um, And that is the part of the the tragedy of a a life that's wasted. Spiritual strength was available to him. But it seems that he rarely tapped into that resource. We see it time and time again in his life, and that's tragic. It's tragic for him. It's equally tragic for us as we we fail to tap into the Lord's strength that's available to us. I mean, think about it. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God's power is, is available to each of us that are saved. But how much do we really tap into the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, we, it's easy to pick on, on Samson, uh, but uh, we need to look in the mirror, don't we? And then make sure that we're what we ought to be for the Lord. Now, Samson appears to have had little to no understanding of or even an interest in learning how God could empower him to overcome temptation in his life. You know, we don't, we don't see him learning much, do we? Every one of us faces temptation every day to do things that displease the Lord. Uh, but way too many folks are like uh, how Oscar Wilde put it. He's a well-known British writer. He said, I can resist anything but temptation. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, resisting temptation has gone out of style. And doing what comes naturally has become the end thing in our day and time. Um, With that in mind, I want us to consider four biblical principles that we need to understand in order to guard against temptation in our lives. First thing I want us to see is that temptation can blind us to the dangers of sin. Temptation can blind us to the dangers of sin. Consider where Samson was, geographically speaking. When we look at this on a map, we find that he's deep in enemy territory. Now, Gaza was one of five major cities of the Philistines. The the others were Ashdod, Ascalon, Gath, Ekron, and and, and those were were large cities as well. Now, Timnath, if you remember where he found his wife, 
Timnath was really a small city that was very near to Israel's border. But here, Samson was this time very deep into enemy territory. But I want us to consider why Samson was there. He was there to satisfy the lust of his flesh. That's what I read. I don't think that you can interpret it any other way that he went and found him a harlot and he went in unto her. I mean, it's pretty plain and simple of what the scripture tells us there. And the scripture doesn't, it doesn't paint pretty pictures sometimes of some great Bible characters. And this is one that it's not a pretty picture that we see of what Samson's involved in. But uh, here's the man whom the Lord had chosen to lead his people. He could have and should have led them into godliness by giving forth a godly example. Amen? You think that would have been good? If you're a leader, to have a godly example? I mean, one of the the tragedies in our day and time is we have a lot of leaders that have no godly example in our own country. Uh, There's there's nothing to really follow. And we see that uh, he he should have... uh, had a, a better example, but his interests were far more selfish than that. He, he really wasn't interested very much in being an example. And why do you suppose he, were, he went so far away from home? We're not told, but perhaps it was partly to taunt the Philistines and flaunt himself before them, or perhaps it was to indulge himself with the excitement of something new and exotic. You know, some people, they, they really... They like to live life on the edge, and they 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 are um, that excitement of living life on the edge. They they get pumped up by that, and and I kind of kind of had the idea of reading this that Samson was probably that type of character. But bottom line, we don't really know. Bottom line is this: Samson was there because he chose to be there. Okay? He chose to be there. He was there because he thought he could get away with it. And what are the lessons for us in this? Let me give you several things. Uh, we say if we, if we fail to resist temptation, we can become blinded to the dangers of sin. What, what are the dangers of sin? Well, we can end up going to dangerous places. He was in a dangerous place. Quite obviously, they were wanting to kill him. <laughs> in fact, they were looking and already plotted how they were going to get it done. And we, we can not only end up going to dangerous places, but we can end up saying dangerous things. We'll, we'll see that in the next episode of, of his life. Um, and we can even end up doing things that are reckless, putting ourselves and possibly even others in serious jeopardy. Another thing is that if we fail to resist temptation, the consequences can be devastating. Amen? The consequences can be devastating when we fail to resist temptation. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Samson appears, I mean, he thought he was getting by with his behavior. Um... But he really wasn't. Payday's going to come someday, right? Payday's going to come. We're going to be seeing that in the weeks ahead. Of, of this behavior is going to catch up with him, what he's doing. 
Now, the consequences are not always immediate. Understand that. But God's principles are clear. Listen to James 1, verse 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Can we say that applies to him? It does, doesn't it? Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So things are just not finished yet. But the, but the end is coming. Then understand that this was, and this is not original with me, and I've, I've used it before, but uh, we need to understand sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you there longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Now that's illustrated. We a lot of times it's illustrated in the lives of of Jonah and Samson. These are two where those principles apply. Samson started down this road early when he went to Timnath and wanted to take a wife there of the Philistines. And here he went down farther to Gaza, deep in enemy territory. And we will see in the rest of this chapter where this progression leads him to a woman in the valley of Sorek by the name of Delilah, who becomes his undoing. He's just kind of progressively getting himself in a deeper hole, is what he's doing here. Temptation can blind us to the danger of sin. Second thing I want us to see is that temptation can blind us to the fullness of our reality. Temptation can blind us to the fullness of our reality. Well, here's what I mean. Samson saw the fullness of his physical reality. His physical reality. Samson was buff, had abs of steel, no doubt. He was a ladies' man. He was fearless. He was one of these fellows that would have an ain't scared attitude, you know. He wasn't scared of anything or anybody. Samson was a force to be reckoned with. We, we, we see that uh, in the pages of Scripture. I I'm just imagine he had a pretty good sense of humor about him at times. And at times, may have been fun to be around, but Samson was no doubt a hero to many. People probably looked up to him uh, because of his physical es- exploits. So Samson saw the fullness of his physical reality, but Samson was blinded to his spiritual reality. We look at Samson and we can see that he was not maximizing what he had been given, spiritually speaking. Amen? He wasn't maximizing that. We we look at Samson and we, we can see that his fleshly desires caused him to be more susceptible to what came later in his life in the lap of Delilah. I mean, all through this you can read in the scripture, you, you don't want to go there, Samson. <laughs> you don't want to go there. Um, but he wound up there. What good is it to be strong enough physically to rip the city gate off of his hinges along with the crossbar and carry them a great distance if you're not strong enough morally to overcome the temptation to go into a prostitute? Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? So temptation can blind us to the danger of sin. It can blind us to the fullness of our reality. And then thirdly, temptation can blind us to the power of sin. The power, not only the danger of sin, but the power of sin. Samson acted as though he thought he was invincible, but he was not. 
was he? He's not. Maybe he thought, well, it's not going to hurt me. You know, they think they're going to hurt me. They're going to hurt me. Nobody's going to hurt me. You know, um, or maybe he thought I can handle it. I'm different than anybody else. Or maybe he thought I can stop anytime I want to. We can't know what he was thinking, okay? But we can see that he was getting more and more entangled in his sin. And when you get entangled in sin, it desensitizes you. And it desensitized him to the power sin was exerting over him. Sin had a power over him. This, this lust that he had, desire for women that he had, overwhelming desire, wound up being his undoing. Every time we choose to sin, listen, this is important. Every time we choose to sin, it makes, it makes it become easier for us to sin again in the same sin. That's the power of sin. It chips away at our defenses. And every time we willingly sin a particular sin, it makes it a little bit harder to say no to that sin the next time. It becomes a habit, is what I'm saying. That's how habits develop. You, you don't say no. You say yes to sin. And you say yes to sin. And you say yes to sin before you know it. You can't say no because you develop a, a, a habit Many in this world think that freedom is getting to do whatever they want to do. They think, boy, if I can just get out from under my parents' authority. Or, you know, when we forget about what the Bible or any other authority has to say, and we just want to do our own thing, well, listen, doing your own thing is going to mess up your freedom. (laughs) Uh, I preached to a bunch of those fellows whenever I was worked in the prison ministry for nine and a half years up in Middle Tennessee. Their, their desire to be free uh, took away their freedom. Now, that's what the, the world thinks real freedom is all about, just doing whatever you want to do. But that, that's not real freedom. Real freedom is doing what God wants us to do. Anything other than that, even though it might be enjoyable for a while, eventually is going to make us its slave. We're going to be under the control of sin. Second Peter 2, 19, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Listen to this. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. Now, the Philistines could not bring him physically in control. I mean, he broke the bands. He's breaking the bands and all. Um, but he was humbled by a woman. The, the humility came because of uh, him, his, his uh, lustful desires that he had and, and wanting to please her. Now, God wants us to see the blinding power of sin. Samson never seemed to understand that principle, and it wound up costing him dearly. So temptation can blind us to the dangers of sin, to the fullness of our reality, to the power of sin, and last of all, uh, temptation can blind us to coming judgment or chastisement for our sins. Just because judgment or chastisement doesn't come immediately doesn't mean it's not coming. You understand that? 
Um, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11 and 12 puts it best. It says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. We might ask ourselves, why did God allow Samson to continue on in his sin? Why didn't, why didn't He judge him right on the spot? Why didn't, he just, why didn't God just turn him into a 98-pound weakling? Um, just, just like that. We can't know, but God has his reasons for what he allows. Is Samson the only person who has sinned without being immediately, immediately or completely judged or chastised? No. Um, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I mean, the fact that each of our hearts are still beaten is a demonstration of the mercy, grace, and long-suffering of God. Amen? Um, So, um, just because judgment hasn't come doesn't mean it's not going to come. And then it's possible to take that for granted. Even though God wants His grace to motivate us to love and to serve Him, and He does, He wants us to love and serve Him more effectively, Sometimes we can presume upon His grace. We can say, well, I can do this. And, you know, 1 John 1, 9 is still in the Bible. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll just do that. I'm going to do what I want to do, and then I'll just confess and forsake it. We can think in our hearts, maybe I can get away with this. Maybe I can sin without God caring. Not a chance. When God doesn't deal with our sin immediately, we can foolishly think that we got by that time and He's not going to deal with our sin, but don't count on that. Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. Amen? May the Lord help us with this lesson from the life of Samson. That Just because it appears we may be getting by with sin, we're not. Now, we get in next week, Lord willing, on the uh, story of Delilah. Um, that's the story we all know. Amen. That's in Samson's life. We know that story. And we'll pick up in verse number 4 there of chapter 16, Lord willing, next week. That's, but that's our Bible study for this evening. Let's set that aside and uh, we'll uh, pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs. And we'll be dismissed with this prayer.